0: is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise course. He's a strand. You'll fertilize him with the enemy. There's the, um, the cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who is kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We're doing Chapter 34, Priory Incantatum. Molly is with us today. Hello! And uh, before we get into it, I just wanted to refresh everybody's memories that me and Anna are going to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando in June. We're going to be going the first week of June, Uh, We're going to have at least one fun thing planned, so stay tuned on the podcast and keep a watch on our Twitter and Instagram for any announcements that we might make surrounding that. We're hoping to interact with you guys while we're there, so keep a lookout for any of that kind of stuff. Uh, We have a couple of shout-outs. We have one, the first one is from, I think that's pronounced Aesthetic, A-E-H-S-T-E-T-I-C, who says... Uh, This is on our first episode, by the way. Uh, They say, it's very nice, and I love Harry Potter, so I heard it, and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, That is in response to, if you go to Spotify, we actually have questions, just, they are generic questions put on every one of our episodes, just saying, what do you think of this episode?
0: They're pretty cool.
1: And she said it was very nice, and she heard it, and it's amazing. So thank you for that. We really appreciate it. We have, uh, the next one, I swear, is not Molly.
0: It's not me, I promise.
1: (laughs) Uh, This is from Puppy Girl, uh, who says, This is so cool. Oh, my God. Thank you for that. All of the exclamation points are noted, too. We appreciate you.
0: I like your name.
1: Puppy Girl is an awesome name. Awesome name. Uh, We have Eloise, which is also an awesome name, who says, I love, love, love this, with a bunch of exclamation points. So we appreciate that, too. If you want to get a shout-out or you want to interact with us in any way, shape, or form, go ahead and comment on that Spotify question. Participate in our polls, which I just want to comment on our polls really quick because uh, Molly and I were taking a look at them before, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so the poll on our first episode is, is this your first time reading the series? This is literally Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 1, The Boy Who Lived." poll. First time reading the series. Out of over 300 votes that we've had on this poll so far, so, big sample size. 50.6% uh, have said, yep, I'm excited to start the series.
0: That's awesome. That's
1: cool. That's cool that there's so many people still discovering Harry Potter uh, in their own you know, in their own way, I guess. Uh, and then listening to us break down the series. Hopefully we haven't spoiled you. We have non-spoiler and spoiler sections. <laughs> so, and if you like spoilers, then that's great. Listen to our cool conversations that we have. Yeah, 50.6% said that they are excited to start the series. That means 49.4% said, no, I've read this a lot. So, again, over 300 votes, and it's almost split right down the middle, which is nuts to think about. So that's a pretty cool poll. And then the other poll I wanted to mention is, which Hogwarts house do you belong to? Uh, This poll is up on our Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat, because that's appropriate. Which Hogwarts house do you belong to? We have 33% say Gryffindor, 18.5% say Slytherin, uh, almost I'll round up, 26% say Hufflepuff, whoop, whoop. yep, and 22% say Ravenclaw. So uh, it's a good mix there, really. You know, we, we don't usually get a whole lot of Slytherin support uh, anywhere, yeah. um, so it's cool that at least 18.5% of you are, uh, are Slytherin. Uh, house members. So, yeah, so again, interact with us through Spotify. We have the polls, we have the questions. You can always hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. But Molly, we have a big chapter ahead of us.
0: Wow. Yeah, we do.
1: Um, there's a lot that goes on. Yeah. And a really brief rundown of it before we get into it. We have Harry being released from the gravestone to start off because we left off the last chapter with Voldy saying that he wanted Harry to be able to fight which is an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. We have the duel itself between Harry and Voldy, which we have a lot to get into there. Yeah, And then we get some surprises for both Harry and Voldy in this duel. So it, it gets a little interesting, and we have, uh, let's say, at least one nit to pick yeah. <laughs> on, on, <laughs> on the duel. We sure do. So really quick, what do you, what do you think, Molly, on the idea of Voldy releasing... Harry from the gravestone to have a fighting chance quote-unquote
0: um I think it's an interesting move for sure I could see why he would want to do it you know I think he wants to show everyone that he is the all-powerful um especially after the last uh interaction that they had right
1: (laughs) I like this is again more of the idea of, of the split personalities within Voldy yes because he's almost, obviously he's dueling to kill Harry Potter here. He's doing it in a, uh, a game-like fashion, which some would consider a little sadistic.
0: Mm-hmm. Which would
1: play to his the crowd that he has. Uh, yeah. But he's also very playful with it. And that he's like, oh, you know, I'm sure Dumbledore would want you to uh, go through all the pomp and circumstance of a duel. Observe the niceties. Bow to each other. And he quote-unquote, bows. He, like, just so, ever so gently leans forward, <laughs> which is just interesting in itself. Yeah. And then uh, he has this line that's just great of bow to death, yeah. Harry, uh, which gets a reaction from his Death Eaters. Again, he's, he's mm-hmm. as much as his appearance is different from the Tom Riddle you meet from the diary in Chamber of Secrets the charming showman is still very much there oh yeah he he knows he's playing to a crowd and he's playing it up a lot but I love the dichotomy between Harry and Voldy here because Voldy's trying to assert his dominance and Harry's continuously defiant of it he's like if I'm gonna go down right here I'm not gonna go down the way he wants me to
0: 100%
1: I might die in one one strike one spell but uh I'm gonna put up as much of a fight as I possibly can yeah and then I really want to get your your thoughts on this line coming up here after with Voldy kind of taunting him and forcing him to bow and, and things like that he ends up taunting I guess it's a taunt I don't know if it's a taunt a sign of respect There's a lot you could probably do with it. Yeah. But he has this great quote, and the quote is, Face me like a man, straight-backed and proud, the way your father died. Yeah. That's a loaded comment for a lot of different reasons. What's, What's your take away from that quote?
0: I mean, this chapter had some feels for me when it came to that, because Harry's literally facing death hmm and the fact that harry embraces in a way when foldy does say that you know like there is this part of harry where he's like yeah i am gonna stand up straight and face death like like a man like my father did and the fact that like uh sorry dan
1: <laughs> it's fine
0: um it's like, a powerful quote. No, just that whole like that that whole part just really hit me hard. So this for me this is the first time I've read I've I've read the series multiple times, but this was the first time I've I've read this without my father in my life. My dad passed away two years ago, so for me this hit me in a different way, in a more personal way, mm-hmm. because I would hope that one day when I have to meet death, I would want to go head on like my dad did. So for me, that was kind of where I came from with this, where I was looking at it through Harry's eyes, where he was like, yeah, you know what? Like, if Voldy's going to get me, he's going to get me and he's going to have to work for it. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: When I said there are a lot of facets to this quote, um, that is certainly one of them, that, that personal touch to it. And yeah. I've obviously, you know... Harry has such a odd connection with his parents in that he doesn't know much yeah. about them. He's heard stories told to him about them, yeah. or pictures, or the Mirror Vera said, uh, where he sees them, sort of. Mm-hmm. But this is an interesting choice of words from Voldy. Yeah. Because I think it does two things that hurt his stance. Mm -hmm. he, like you just said, emboldens Harry, if anything else. And the idea of, like, you're right, I am going to stand up and uh, make my father proud kind of thing, not hiding behind a gravestone or running or anything like that. Yeah. But at the same time, he's Voldy is giving, I think, a lot of respect to James
0: yeah definitely
1: and he's noting in oh so many I mean he says straight backed and proud yeah he's giving he's noting James died bravely
0: 100% he's
1: killed many individuals he literally instills fear in everybody including the circle of his followers that's around him yeah and I wonder if any of them kind of took note of like, wow, he's giving James Potter a lot of... Do you think any of them are jealous Ooh. that he speaks of James Potter in a almost reverent way? Oh, or a complimentary way?
0: Yeah. That's a good question. I think that there's probably some that are, you know, because it seems like everybody is vying to be... They're groveling. Vol- Voldy's, like, right-hand man, you know?
1: I wonder if if Voldy almost respects it in a way that James didn't grovel. Yeah. Like all of them do. Right. Which makes you think like, okay, so a Death Eater stands up to Voldy. Yeah. Voldy kills that Death Eater. But would it be worthwhile for the Death Eater to at least have Voldy think positively of you as he's killing you? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where the tipping point is.
0: Right, right but i also think too like boldy's had a lot of time to think about that you know like yeah that is true <laughs> that that whole incident has really impacted him so yeah. i'm sure he's run that uh that scenario through his head multiple times
1: i i i just and i'm i'm sure anna loves this quote cuz this might be arguably the most redeeming thing said of James Potter yeah. directly. Yeah. Like this, I mean, this is upfront and boldly yeah. positive. I don't know. It Obviously this quote struck both of us in a very meaningful way. Yeah. And I think it's a quote that should just be kind of put to the side of like, wow, um, Voldy's making a quite the acknowledgement and Harry's recognizing that. And being like, No, Voldy's right. I, <laughs> I should stand up. Right. And um, you know, make my father proud kind of yeah. moment. because um, obviously him hearing that was like, Well, I'm proud of my father for doing yeah. that. So Yeah. Um I'm surprised you just didn't lie. Right. And say like, Oh, your father groveled before me before, you know. I killed him or whatever. Right. Uh, which he very easily could have done and gotten another round of laughter from the Death Eaters, whether it was true or not. But yeah. it's interesting that he chose to tell that truth.
0: Yeah. And I would definitely say that is definitely one of the more complimentary um, quotes of James not coming from the uh, Marauders.
1: A direct friend group. or. Yeah. yeah. So that's true. So that's just a weird person to get that from. Yeah. That speaks a lot to James.
0: Unless, I mean, I mean, he is trying to go for a reaction somehow from Harry, though, too.
1: He is trying to draw him out and be like, be like your father. Come face me. Yeah. I mean, he does have an angle here to play. Right. That is true. Um, Just a weird angle for him to play.
0: Definitely.
1: Um, Especially, I mean, he calls Lily a fool in, like, the last chapter. Yeah. (laughs) So, not complimentary of Lily. No. But complimentary of, of James. James so that's interesting
0: I just don't think boldly liked women in general anyway so
1: I mean I don't think it's a far-flung idea <laughs> to, to call him misogynistic in any way shape or form
0: not a big fan of mothers <laughs> yes.
1: I mean how many of the people encircling him right now are female that we know of yeah I mean I guess there's a couple there that I think Harry notes that he thinks there's maybe 30 Death Eaters yeah Encircling them, not including the ones that are vacant. So we end up getting to this duel. And there's a lot to talk about in the duel. Yeah. Voldy is very happy, uh, I would say, to unleash all three of the unforgivable curses that we've talked about so many chapters ago. Mm-hmm. Starts off with Crucio, uh, which Harry gives a wonderful description of how exactly that feels white hot knives, every, every fiber of his body screaming loudly not a fun experience Uh, the one I I really want to dig into is Imperio so we have the descriptions of Harry from a while ago going through Moody's class Mm -hmm. and experiencing the Imperius curse and he obviously shows a I don't want to call it a talent but a resistance to it yeah And I think if you're a Death Eater and you're watching this from the sidelines and you see someone not only resist the Imperius curse, but so definitively and defiantly and strongly resist it with Harry coming out of it with, I won't. Yeah. Yelling, I won't. In, in regards to uh, uh, bowing. Mm-hmm. And if I was a Death Eater, and I saw a child throw off the Imperius Curse from the Dark Lord, I'd be like, um...
0: Bye now. What? <laughs> like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah.
1: And that kind of does the opposite of what Voli wants. Yeah, He wants to show how Harry is not special. How Harry is not a very special boy. Mm-hmm. That's not helping your case. Not at all. I mean, if I'm Crab or Goyle, I just like look to Lucius like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Did that just happen? Did, did we just witness that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. What are What are your thoughts on the whole Voldy putting the Imperius Curse and getting it thrown off?
0: Um, I mean, they're pretty in line with you. Um, I did a little, I, I, I did some deep diving into like curses and, and spells a little bit. Sweet. From these chapters. So I just got curious while I was reading them. Love it. Yeah. So, um, but uh, basically, the Imperious Curse, um, it's, you know, one of the unforgivable ones. Um, it was invented during the early Middle Ages.
1: Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Okay.
0: And um, it became an unforgivable curse in 1717. long time ago that's when they made them unforgivable there's a lot more history on it that i found on like you know like the wiki you know i looked at several different sites so typically people with like exceptional strengths of will are the ones that can resist it um and the this is especially true for the imperious curse because of the three it's the only one that people with strong wills can actually fight off
1: okay that's interesting
0: yeah and the other thing too because i was like well this seems like a lot of energy to like cast this imperious curse on somebody and then like to keep up with it like how and then like how many curses like imperious curses can you have placed on people like that seems like a lot of energy it does
1: (laughs) and it's like do you have how does it break concentration like Right. How do you not break concentration on that spell? How do you keep it active?
0: Right. That I couldn't find really any answers to that, but one thing that I did find that like was pretty interesting was like it's possible for someone who's imperious to place someone else under the imperious curse. So that's why there was such like when Voldy, you know, was super popular at the time, that's why so many people were supposedly placed under the imperious curse because it was like a chain. So... Crazy. Yeah, so...
1: I know that they said one of the Death Eaters had a particular talent for that, the Imperius Curse. Yeah. Mulciber, I want to say?
0: Another funny thing that I did find was, so if you cast it poorly, like if you're just not really good at casting the spell, it can have a pretty adverse effect on, like, the person you cast it on. So there's a dude in St. Mungo's that believes he's a
1: duck. Dang. Yeah,
0: so... Hence, why it's probably one of the uh, unforgivable curses.
1: It's it's interesting for many reasons. <laughs> for many reasons, it's interesting that it was labeled an unforgivable curse in the seventeen hundreds. Because I'd imagine, I can't imagine there was a strong sense of like free will. Yeah. In seventeen hundred, yeah, I can't imagine people would be like, no, people need their free will. Right. Back then, I don't know.
0: Yeah,
1: it was interesting.
0: Yeah. So,
1: I will say that all of what you just said kind of reinforces something that Anne and I talked about recently. Granted, it wasn't a spoiler section, although we'll keep this non-spoilers. But we just talked about Harry being a special boy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and proving Voldy that he might be by throwing off this curse. And I think... Uh, to Anna's point, Anna really fought hard for the idea that no, Harry is a special boy, and there's a lot of reasons why he is. I I do have some some counters to to why there's reasons for him being able to throw this off easier than others. That being said, Harry does need to get credit for this. Yeah, uh, I I think Harry does deserve credit um, for this, and. It might have something to do with uh, whether you want to label it a taunt or not. I don't know. But him (laughs) mentioning Harry's father in and around this, you're giving Harry an extra sense of like fortitude inside him to be like, and he's already shown defiance with the not bowing. That's why he's being put under this (laughs) imperious curse. And that just sense of, I'm not going to give in to him. I'm not going to give in to him. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Whatever he does to me so be it, but I won't give in. And everything Boldy seems to be doing is just piling onto that. Yeah. And there is something to Harry about standing up and being like, no, I'm not going to take this. Right. So, and, you know, we've talked about Harry being the son of Lily and James Potter, and obviously they were very talented, very gifted, witches and wizards in their, you know, their own sense. So he's inherited some of that magical talent. Mm -hmm. There is something about him that is different. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to pile on Ron, but Ron, (laughs) I don't think would be as great at throwing. We don't, we see that we, we see most of his classmates to be fair to Ron. We see most of his classmates (laughs) fall under the Imperius curse and do silly things. Right. And then Harry was the only one that really had this like, that seems odd.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Why would I want to do that?
0: Why? Why? I do also, too, have the anatomy explanation, the neuroanatomy side of it. Do that. you really? I do. Oh, let's get it. Let's. <laughs> I, when I saw this, like my inner nerd for, you know, what Dan and I do for a living, yeah. was just like, yeah. I'm excited for
1: this. Let's see. So it.
0: the imperious curse possibly causes the magically induced partial paralysis of the neocortex and the prefrontal cortex i love it the parts of the brain which respectively control conscious thought logic and decision making this in turn would reduce the victim's capacity for independent thought and make it more receptive to outside influence this would explain why strength of mind is so vital for resisting the curse since the act of forcing oneself to realize one's actions are in fact Not of their own doing when their brain says otherwise would be no
1: mean feat. So So do you think, clearly there are no therapists in the wizarding world. Yeah, no. But do you think like some wizard doctor or like psychiatrist back in the day was like, I need to help my patients with like just getting away from reality for a little second or whatever. And he, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's Mm -hmm. say he invented this spell. Yeah. With good intentions. Right. Let's give him that benefit of the doubt, although probably doubtful. But let's say he does. And then as all good inventions start out, Mm -hmm. someone always twists it into a negative or evil connotation. (laughs) Right. And, you know, that wizard's like, oh, this is not at all how I intended this to go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that, that could have happened for sure. Man. Yeah.
1: That would be some stuff. So. That's that's really cool, actually.
0: Yeah. So I got the I found that on the like wiki fandom, you know. I mean, it makes sense. So it tracks. Yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense if, if you know your anatomy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go to school for anatomy, kids. <laughs> so those are the first two of the unforgivable curses that Voldy uses.
0: Yes.
1: Then we get the third,
0: uh,
1: which is the one he loves the most. Yeah. It's Avada Kedavra. The killing curse, yep. Which, Harry counters with his own favorite spell. Mm -hmm. The Expelliarmus spell. It's the only spell he could think of. But, because, again, Voldy's giving him all of the clues to, like, fill him (laughs) in. Because I'm sure you've done Dueling Club at Hogwarts, right? You've done Dueling. Mm -hmm. Dueling. Dueling Club. Snape. Expelliarmus. Expelliarmus! Yeah. <laughs> like Voldy's like feeding him breadcrumbs to be like, defend yourself. Right. Clearly not intentioned, but happening. Um, so, these two individuals launch their specific spells. They connect and oddly, they turn into, uh, from green and red, into a golden beam of light. Yeah. And the wands each of their wands begin vibrating at an intense level. And as Voldy is trying to amp up his power levels, uh, the spell gets closer to Harry's end, uh, the wand gets even more intensified vibrating. Mm -hmm. Harry then figures out, like, okay, I gotta stop this, and summons any bit of will that he actually has to force the spell the other way, which let's just take a second and acknowledge that this is the Dark Lord Mm -hmm. who's got grown men going to their hands and knees to kiss his (laughs) robes that are on the ground. They're dirty. This is a graveyard. Dirty robes. Yeah. And he has already thrown off an Imperius curse and is now literally dueling wand to wand with arguably the greatest dark wizard of all time. His death eaters have got to be like, what is happening right now? Yeah. For two reasons. One, what is this weird gold beam of light that then turns into a golden webbed dome of light? They're like, what is this magic? Phoenix Song starts Mm -hmm. blaring through the dome, Mm -hmm. which I'm assuming only those two can hear. I'm assuming the ones outside of the dome cannot.
0: Yeah, I would have seen the same thing.
1: And then, then we get to the interesting stuff. So, here we go. As as these uh, wands connected, you get appearances.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: you get. I love the description of it. It's like a weird hand comes through the wand and just like floats, <laughs> and which is uh, the silvery hand that Voli created for Wormtail. You get Cedric. Diggory Mm -hmm. appearing as uh, Harry describes it as either ghost or shadow. He's not sure which, but it's like, it it seems solid, but also a long way away from like reality. So he's not sure which it is a ghost, a shadow of a ghost. I don't know. Yeah. But you get Cedric coming through first. You get Frank. Frank. Yes. The caretaker of the house from way back in chapter one. You get uh, Bertha Jorkins, uh, then you get James, and then you get Lily. We'll get back to those last two in a second, but each one of them uh, has words of encouragement for Harry. Yeah. So you just get more and more emboldening Harry. Yeah. Uh, Cedric's the first one to come out, and he's like, "Hold on, Harry. Hold on. Keep it going." uh you get frank who says you f- you fight him boy
0: <laughs> I, I love it
1: I I don't I don't know frank frank's voice but i just hear grumpy cranky old man yes. voice coming through like My you favorite. fight him boy Yeah. Right. uh then you get bertha who's uh, the most vocal of, of them so far but essentially is like don't let go yeah. don't let go keep fighting now The two interesting ones. Not that those three aren't interesting, because of course they are. This is weird and surreal and crazy. (laughs) But the two real interesting ones come come last. You get James coming out first, which we'll comment on in, in a second. But he says, your mother's coming. She wants to see you. Hold on. Hold on. So he's continuing this hold on theme. And then you have Lily come through. And she goes... She just, like, is all business. Straight, yeah. straight out the gate. <laughs> like, when the connection is broken, it will give you only moments. Like, you must get back to the port key. Yeah. Uh, so she's like, boom, boom, boom. To the point. Do you want to just start with our, our nitpick on this? Or do you want to talk about any of the other ghost shadows?
0: I mean, I say let's just dive in.
1: Okay. I, we both have an issue uh, with James coming out first, and then Lily. Yeah. Um, because if, assuming this is the order of spells that has come from Voldy's wand, right? You get literally the hand that was just done, like, minutes ago. Right. Then you get Cedric, done mm-hmm. also minutes ago. Right. Then you get Frank, and then Bertha. Okay, that's an order of events. James should not be the next one out. It sh- should be Lily, because... After Lily died is when Harry was hit by the spell and Voldy went into whatever state of existence he went into. So that's odd. And I get, look, some people are probably rolling their eyes at me being like, but Dan, (laughs) dramatic storytelling. And I I get it. I understand that. But do do you really think then that James and Lily are sitting in Voldy's wand just being like, you wanna go? Should I go? No, it'd be more dramatic if you went first. Okay, alright, I'll go first. And that might fit James's personality. He might be throwing out those jabs of like, you know, I'm just saying, if I go first, this whole thing is much more dramatic. <laughs> I, I'm not...
0: I'm just picturing tiny little James and Lily in Boldy's wand just, like, having this weird argument, like, oh, I guess I'll go, I don't know.
1: It's such a married couple argument, even though they're, like, 21 or whatever they are. Right. Um,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, to uh, circle back.
1: But, yeah, the order is wrong.
0: The order is so the wrong. The order is
1: wrong. I'm assuming there's magical law in effect yeah. here that they can't just, like, yeah. figure out on the run, like... You go. You go first. No, right. I'm assuming there's like a specific order of events. But anyway. Yeah. Um all right, JK, you get your creative license, I suppose.
0: I guess. I guess. It's inaccurate, <laughs> but I mean,
1: if you're if you're Harry, you're like what is going on? Yeah. And if you're Voldy, you're saying the same thing but probably with a couple of not so happy words. No. <laughs> You're probably like, what is going on right now?
0: He's very frustrated at this point.
1: Uh, There's So as (laughs) these things are happening, there's a description of his vibe, I guess. And it is a vibe. (laughs) It's a vibe. Harry notes that Voldy seems to be, quote, livid with fear. Yeah. That is a vibe.
0: That's a vibe.
1: Uh, I totally understand the the livid part because like none of this is going the way he wanted
0: no none of it
1: and all all his Death Eaters can do granted he's been shouting at them this entire time like do nothing Mm -hmm. like just this is mine I can handle this do nothing so they're like prowling around the edge of this this dome watching the events but I I feel like the fear comes in I guess twofold one Whenever something happens and he's not sure what it is, he's so confident in his magical knowledge that when something happens and he's not aware of what it is, he's got to be like, "What? Like, yeah. Uh, how is this even possible? What's happening next? I don't know what's going to happen next and that bothers him." Right. And then the other part of it is seeing people he's killed come back. Yeah. Probably unsettles him a bit. Yeah. Which I would imagine would unsettle any serial killer?
0: <laughs> I would imagine so. Just being
1: haunted by the people that you've killed? Um,
0: yeah. I mean, it can't, it's can't. it got to be a little scary when you just, you know, coldly and just nonchalantly just kill people, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, we're back. What's up? Like.
1: I find it interesting that it seems to be he can't hear what they're saying to Harry. Right. But he can hear what they say to him, and mm-hmm. Harry can't hear what they're saying to him. Yeah, which I find interesting. Yeah, all of this being done. By the way, let's not forget that the Phoenix song is playing, and what does a Phoenix represent? Is rebirth mm-hmm. and life after death? I guess so. Now you're having the Phoenix song going, and all of these not they're not reincarnated, but they're like they're coming back from death. Yeah, to have an impact on the living.
0: Right.
1: Emotionally, mentally. And, as we find out towards the end of this, physically. Yeah. Because uh, they do impede Voldy from uh, continuing to attack Harry. Yeah. This is a lot.
0: It's a lot. Like, it's a short chapter, but it's a lot.
1: It's an explosive chapter. What are, your, what are your, <laughs> some of your thoughts on the whole uh, characters coming back?
0: Um, I mean, definitely enjoyed seeing, I mean, I, like, there there was a huge part of me that just enjoyed seeing the fear on Boltley's face when he realized, like, oh, this actually can have an impact on my life and everything.
1: He was really definitely why. the, who do you think he was most afraid of? Coming back. Who do, you, who do you think, like, really drove in the, oh, no, part of it?
0: Ooh, that's a good question.
1: I'm, I'm sure they all... Added up to a cumulative effect, but... Yeah. Do you think it was James coming out that he's like, oh no.
0: I think it was James, most likely. I mean, also considering the fact, too, like, you know, he's in this situation trying to fix the original situation that happened. And it seems like these factors are coming back into play. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know what to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. It' such an. I I know I get such flack sometimes for being like, Voldy slash Tom Riddle is such an intriguing character. Yeah. But he's such an intriguing character. He's
0: so intriguing.
1: There's so much going on there, and I
0: love it all. Yeah.
1: Um. But yeah. So that's kind of the 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 non spoiler. Obviously, Harry ends up getting back to uh, after a run through the gravestones after the. Sh- Ghost
0: shadows (laughs)
1: distract. Um, He gets a shot in on an unnamed Death Eater, which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah. But they all whiz by Mm
0: -hmm.
1: stunning spells, and Voldy's trying to chase after him, say, stun him, no, he's mine, I got him. The Death Eater's got to be confused beyond belief. If you think Voldy doesn't have a clue what's going on here, they must be like, what am I witnessing? This kid... (laughs) Has stood up to him twice now. Uh, Three times now.
0: Yeah.
1: So with, you know, obviously birth, or not birth, but baby version, (laughs) (laughs) Imperio, uh, the Imperious Curse, and now um, the the craziness of the Golden Dome. Yeah. Uh, So he gets back to the port key and gets transported away from the scene. Yep. Let's go ahead and get right to the spoiler section. We have a couple of things to talk about. Molly's got some thoughts on some other chapters. We'll be right back. All right, so we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 34, Priory Incantatum. And Molly has some thoughts on that whole thing. Uh, I guess we didn't mention, the whole Golden Dome thing is Priory Incantatum. Like That's why the chapter title is what it is. Yeah. Should have probably said that in the non-spoiler. Whatever. Before we get into uh, some of Molly's deep dives and thoughts on other chapters, I wanted to double back on the idea of Harry as a Horcrux really quick. And... With Harry as a Horcrux, uh, twofold. One, that's what I was alluding to in the non-spoiler of like I have some other thoughts as to why he's able to throw off the Imperius curse, but I've said those before, and I don't want to diminish the fact that I think this was a lot of Harry uh, in this chapter. Um, as much as that soul is that piece of soul is a part of him, I, I think Harry really demonstrates a lot of his own fortitude. In this, and I think that's, I think you're pointed to that specifically by the mention of his father, and and you know seeing Cedric and seeing people he cares about ahead of him, almost revitalizing him and being like, no 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 no, I need to do this.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's Harry.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so I, props to Harry here. Look at me, I'm saying it. I props can't to believe Harry. it. I, I can't know. believe it. I know. Also, but the other thing I want to mention really quick about him being a horcrux is the idea of him here in the graveyard scene, and then when we see him again enter the forest in Deathly Hallows, his mindset, 100%, like a 180 degree difference. Yeah. Here, defiant. I will not let Voldy do this. I will not let him just run me over without a fight of some kind. Right. And then the forest, he's like, I'm specifically going here not to fight. Yep. He can do whatever he wants because it needs to happen. Right. It's, there's a lot there. There is. There's like maturity differences, yes. Point of view differences, yes. Circumstantial differences.
0: Knowledge differences. <laughs> Knowledge, I mean, there's so
1: much going on. Yeah. But it's a... It, It just caught me as I was reading this chapter when you take those two scenes and put them side by side. Because they're essentially the same. You're going to fight Voldy and your intention is he wants to kill you both times. Right. But your mindset has now changed. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, he has a lot more information by that time he goes into the forest than he does here. Um, Thanks, Dumbledore, for that. Uh, (laughs) He's a 14-year-old kid here. Like, come on. But it just struck me as like an just a interesting parallel kind of draw between the two. Yeah. So I don't know if you had any kind of thoughts on those, but
0: I mean, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I do think that just because he's kind of a horcrux, that doesn't mean Harry is not a special boy.
1: No, no, no. I still very special. He's a very special, special boy. boy.
0: I still think that he is very talented in his own regard. I feel like we've been a little too hard on him.
1: What she's referring to, uh, at least I think, I'm going to put words in your mouth for just a second because oh you can't, you 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 brought it up a little bit in our pre, pre-episode prep. She has issues with uh, Julie and I and our takes on the second task. Yeah. The floor is yours. <laughs> what you got?
0: I think he did get a lot of help. I will agree with you guys on that.
1: A l- l- lot, lot, lot of, e- l- lot of help. Significant amounts of help. But everybody <laughs> had
0: help. Everybody did. Everybody had help. Everyone. Everyone. Cedric had help.
1: That much help?
0: Yes. I really think that they have had, they've all had literally help.
1: Literally go that way. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally pointing him in the right direction. I
0: mean, I think that they all had help. They all had help. I'm just saying that, and I'm going to put my foot down and say we've been too harsh and that they've all had help. I've said that about 10 times, though. Okay.
1: <laughs> all right. Molly Stance, they all had help.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was. But
1: a- that's true. They, no, to your point, they did all have help. Right. They all had varying degrees of help. And I will give you that the first task specifically, even though Moody, like, literally, like, dude, dude, what are you good at? Come right. on. Think what? can you do oh flying okay yeah you finally got there good good for you yeah that being said the first task was at least him doing it yeah it was on him to actually do it and he did it great on harry for that right second task though.
0: but at the at the end of the day he was the one that still had to make the decisions to get to where he needed to be
1: So I have follow-ups to this, but I'll save it for the next chapter because it kind of comes back around in the next chapter a little bit. And I I pulled some quotes from the next chapter that uh, I want Molly's thoughts on, Uh, if we're giving all of this credit to Harry Potter. Uh, (laughs) Um, did you have any thoughts from any of the other episodes other than the second task, Kate?
0: Uh, I just have to say, um, I loved your and Anna's take on Lucius cutting out newspaper profit clips. Yes! And sending them to Draco because my mind just went and branched off on so many different things that I think Lucius is now doing in my head. Like, Lucius now, to me, has, like, a weekend day. Like, he takes a Saturday And makes vision boards and (laughs)
1: do you you think like
0: art has an arts and crafts time.
1: You know how some people just have that like website on their computer or on their phones that they don't want anybody to know that they look at that website? Do you think Lucius and all of his muggle hate Mm -hmm. goes on Pinterest? Yes. And just looks up all of these Pinterest. Not that Pinterest was around in the 1990s when this was going on. (laughs) But but he would. Yes, he would have if it were a thing.
0: And he would get all of the craft ideas and do them all.
1: (laughs) What do you think is Lucius' best crafting? Uh, So you mentioned vision boards. We mentioned uh, collaging.
0: Ooh.
1: Crocheting. Do you think he's a big crocheter?
0: I don't think he's a crocheter. I think he sticks mostly to the paper arts.
1: It, you're you're a big you're a big knitter. Do yes. you think he would uh be up to your level of standards?
0: Um I think Dumbledore would.
1: That's fair. <laughs> That's but do you think these people actually like physically hand knit or do they just set a wand to just have the knitting materials do their thing?
0: Well, since this is a big chapter on wand lore, mm-hmm. um I think that... Um, with wands, you know, there is some kind of magic beyond our knowledge of them. Okay. And, like, they're, the wands shift, you know, like, loyalty, and, like, they mi- mimic, you know, whoever mm-hmm. wields the wand. So, yes, maybe the wands and the instruments are doing the actual knitting, but I still think that there's a part of the person in it.
1: Okay. Oh, so kind of like... Um, Rita's quill yes, that she has that right. we talked about last time right
0: exactly
1: uh, a lot of people have actually mentioned that to me that yeah. part of that episode and they're like Oh, that is so good yes um, speaking of Rita yeah so uh, I don't know if you heard in one of our last chapters but we discussed that when Voldy was telling the story of his return to <laughs> prominence in all of his glory he mentioned that uh, Peter Pettigrew was getting information from rats, (laughs) meaning he can literally communicate with rats, which has answered some of our questions from before, like, can an Animagus speak to other animals and whatever have you. So we've gotten some confirmation that at least he could speak to rats. Well, let's say he could speak to other animals as well. Like Hannah and I were like, (laughs) Anna thought that Peter couldn't talk to the other Marauders because he wasn't intelligent enough to speak dog. But, like, Sirius and James could figure out the languages. Right. Whatever. Yeah. I think if you're an Animagus, you could communicate with whatever animal right. or creature. Whatever. Right. But if you could. hmm We also uh, introduced the idea of Peter uh, using some of James and Sirius's old pickup lines to get Bertha in the pub. So I'm putting some things together here. But what if? Molly, you, yeah. if you're listening... And you've heard some of Molly and I's episodes before. You, you probably are guessing what's coming, but I want to ship a character with Peter Pettigrew.
0: Yes.
1: And I want to ship another animagus with Peter Pettigrew, and that animagus is Rita Skeeter.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I love it.
1: Molly, do I have a ship name for you?
0: Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> are you ready, ready for this? I'm ready.
1: Reader Skeeter Group. Yes. Right best ship name ever
0: best ship name ever
1: reader rider <laughs> skeeter group it works reader
0: skeeter group yep i like it dude they would make some pretty interesting children
1: yeah you got a you got a beetle and a rat
0: yeah beetle and a
1: rat i, I uh, well you could imagine all of the information that he can get for her for her articles yep uh oh, it'd be it'd be a great pairing that i i think really needs to I know you uh, I know you wanted to have some thoughts on the... I don't know if you prepared any thoughts on the Yule Ball, but I know you were ready to comment on it if needed about all of the possible relationships and teen drama that the Yule Ball provided.
0: I mean, that just... I, okay, I wish I could go into Beatle form to watch all of that happen.
1: All of the uh, teen awkwardness? Oh,
0: yeah. That, that had to be just awesome.
1: I read a fan theory... L- recently, like in the last couple of days, honestly, yeah. and I don't know if you've seen this, that there's a dark twist on the Yule Ball. Ooh. That the uh, proprietors mm-hmm. of the Triwizard Tournament, the the judges and those putting on the tournament, actually used the Yule Ball as just a means to pick out who was important to the champions, thus picking them for the second task ah. in later February. For example... Hermione and Krem hit yep. her off. They had a really good time. Right. Great. So she's the only thing close to Krem. Right. Awesome. Done. Well, Harry had a date too, but that didn't go so well. He ended up no. spending most of the night with who? With Ron. God. So that's who they picked for him. The The weird part about it is Floor and her sister. Because uh, in theory, considering all of the fun that Floor had with Roger Davies in where where were they in, a, in one of the bushes or something like that i forget where it was um you think the they would have picked things? you think they would have picked him but uh clearly they did not so um that's where it kind of falls apart a little bit but i thought that was an interesting fan theory the no. darker side of the evil ball
0: i like that it makes sense
1: yeah right yeah um so there's some yule ball thoughts for you yeah um what else we got what, oh there was one other thing that we had in a previous chapter that i kind of wanted to get your thoughts on a little bit there was a quote uh from a chapter that ann and i were on that we didn't uh, we neglected to uh discuss because we got on tangents as you do uh doing this podcast <laughs> and the quote is uh about the missing six death eaters in the circle as voldy was going through the the roll call if you will And the quote is, And here we have six missing Death Eaters. Three dead in my service. One too cowardly to return, he will pay. One who I believe has left me forever, he will be killed, of course. And one who remains my most faithful servant, and who has already re-entered my service. So he leaves it vague. He doesn't name names. We're going to try to name names. (laughs) So... (laughs) Let's start out with the easier ones first. The most faithful servant who has already returned to his service, uh, I believe, is Barty Crouch Jr.
0: Yeah, I would say so.
1: The one too cowardly to return is Igor Karkaroff.
0: Gotta be Igor.
1: Right? The uh, one who he believes has left him forever, I believe, is Severus Snake. I think so. Because if he was a Death Eater, and then all of a sudden... You find out that Snape is under the guard of Dumbledore or Dumbledore's, you know, right hand man at Hogwarts, you feel like, okay, that ship is sailed. Yeah. Uh, then now the, the, the question that's interesting is three dead in my service. Well, we know of two for sure because they were mentioned in the trials, uh, in the Pensive chapter that Harry sees. Mm-hmm. And that's Rosier and Wilkes. They both died fighting off oars. Uh, so they wouldn't get arrested. The third one, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Yeah. And when Anne and I were talking about it, we were discussing maybe the idea of Regulus, which could make sense in that he's a Death Eater. Yeah. And he did die. The tricky part is not exactly in Voldy's service. Right. Um, specifically against <laughs> Voldy. Right. So I don't I don't know if Regulus can be counted on
0: there. Yeah, I I don't know who that third one is. Uh, I uh, I'm gonna throw Anna in the ring for that.
1: One too right. cowardly to return. He will pay. I mean, I I get that she's trying to probably switch up her word choice, but right, he means death, right? Yeah, like I don't think he's gonna just torture him. I mean, unless it's just a delayed return, he comes back eventually, but
0: I would assume it's torture then kill.
1: Uh, I mean, we can... um, Or
0: he gives them to the Doth Eaters.
1: Do with him what you think is the appropriate punishment. That gets into a tricky conversation, too, which we can talk about more in the next chapter, because Barty Crouch Jr. gets into what he thinks should happen. Yeah. uh, Which is kind of an interesting discussion. Um, I think you will wrap up the spoiler section. It's not really a spoiler, I don't think, unless you have some spoilers, but we'll... Uh, wrap it up with, you did a little bit of a deep dive on Priory Incantatum, is that right?
0: Yeah, um, so again I was like I don't know, I think the idea of wand lore is pretty cool mm-hmm. um, just, you know, the idea of magic um, <laughs> but yeah, so I just did a little bit of deep dive on the, on the spell itself and um, you know, JK gets a lot of her spells from Latin so it is Latin for prior incantation or previous spell and it is very very rare and obviously it has to do with two ones from the same core that duel and um
1: that would make it very rare yes assuming
0: yes um it doesn't happen often so basically the it's a battle of wills and that little golden bead of light that's getting passed back and forth during that is like the will so when that little bead of light gets to the other's wand that denotes the winner. So, and the winner's wand forces the loser's wand to produce echoes of the most recent spells performed in reverse order. So, clearly that's when, you know, the hand comes out. um, Cedric. Cedric. And and, um, also too, they mention like the echoing screams of pain. That is in relation to the Cruciatus curse. So, oh, so
1: when his wand is screaming. Yes. It's the yes. Cruciatus curse that comes through. Interesting. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Why do you think Harry's will is stronger than Boldy's in this moment?
0: I clear I think it's because of everything leading up to that. I think it's him wanting to fight like his father fought. I think it's the provocation of everything that led up to that point. I think honestly Harry wants to live more.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I I agree with you on all on all fronts. I I think the idea of willpower is an immeasurable thing. Yeah. So the fact there's a fourteen year old child who hasn't really accomplished much, at least in comparison to a fully grown Wizard, who's known as the Dark Lord, <laughs> Yeah, doesn't
0: matter. Right.
1: Uh, because willpower is an intangible characteristic. Right. And everything that you said uh, about Harry with, it's important that Boldy mentions his father first. Right. In a respectful tone. Right. Uh, at least we're interpreting it as a, a respectful tone. Mm-hmm. And then everything else comes from that and his will to live Mm -hmm. ends up being stronger than Voldy's will to kill him.
0: Right. Plus, too, we don't know either, like, what those shadows are saying to Voldy. We don't know how that's affecting Voldy's psychologically. Psychological. (laughs) Sorry, this is breaking
1: the serious tone. Uh, Yeah. But can you imagine, like, Lily just going into full, like, mom rant? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like oh. a whole, like, Molly Weasley, like, right. tone. Right. Not my son, you... Yeah. Yeah. yeah Oh, man. Uh, now I need a Lily Potter mom rant. Absolutely. But no, I, I, and I don't know if this comes into it, but Harry has one life, and to protect his own, and he feels pretty strongly that he should live. Right. Voldy's killed how many people? Right. It, it's like old hat for him at this point. And I get that he really, really wants to kill this one specific individual. Right. But, and and maybe after he threw off the Imperius Curse and after the Wandskin, he's maybe like, okay, I should treat this more seriously than I may have been. Right. Because he was very playful with the whole thing. And now it's like, oh, wait, this is serious. Right. I need to, like, refocus. And right. that refocus comes too late.
0: Yeah. I also wonder, too, like, how much... You know, when you're thinking of like life and death, you think of souls, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Voldy has his soul split.
1: Also, a very Harry's valid point. Harry's
0: intact. Mm-hmm. How much, if you want to go the philosophical route of that, like how much does that play into it? Sure.
1: No, that's an excellent point. I I'd agree with that too. Of <laughs> so. of Harry's got that uh, very strong advantage in this. Yeah, I'd completely agree with it. That it's. This duel between the two of them, subtly, I think. We're reading into it a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's subtly, uh, but points to a lot of the differences between the two. Yeah. Um, which, obviously, if you're reading this for the first time, A, why are you listening to us right now? You're in the spoiler section. Yeah. But B, uh, you, you don't pick up on some of that. You don't right. pick up on the, the split, his soul in the seven pieces, eight pieces. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like one more than he even intended to do, which exactly. further destabilized him. Right. So, uh, there's so much to this. And it's just uh, a quick little 11 page chapter.
0: I know. There really is.
1: A lot of impactful short chapters here at the end of Goblet of Fire. Yeah. But if you don't have anything else, I I think we'll wrap it up. Yeah. So, we will wrap it up for chapter 34, 34, Priory Incantatum. Yeah. And we will see you next week for chapter 35, Veritaserum. Yeah. So, and that's a loaded chapter. So, <laughs> buckle in for that one. Uh, in the meantime, like I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, go ahead and join the conversation by commenting on Spotify and Twitter and Instagram, and hit us up on all of the socials. And we will try to shout you out. We will try to engage you in the conversation. We will see you next week. Bye. So. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast.